Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing My Beautiful Enemy by Sherry Thomas. This was published in 2014 and is number two in the Heart of Blade duology, though Meg has an opinion on this. I do. I I say The Hidden Blade, so that's the, the other book, which supposedly is book number one in this duology. I would argue that it is a prequel to this book. And it was written thus, as a prequel. It was written as a prequel, and thus should be read after this one, in my opinion. I think they were published simultaneously. Um, There's an author's note that I actually read at the end of the copy I have that says, look out for a coming upcoming prequel. Yeah. So uh, honestly, I think you should read this book first. And if you like it, then you should read The Hidden Blade. Because basically what The Hidden Blade does is it fleshes out their characters uh, from before they met each other. I'll have to read it. Mm-hmm. Though that said, I don't know how interested I am in them without each other. Exactly, exactly. It's good. It's not bad, but I think it serves as a compliment to this book, and it doesn't set anything up. And I honestly think that if you read it, it would spoil some of the t- twists and turns of My Beautiful Enemy. Okay, so let's do the book jacket. All right. Hidden beneath Catherine Blade's uncommon beauty is a daring that matches any man's. Although this has taken her far in the world, she still doesn't have the one thing she craves, the freedom to live life as she chooses. Finally given the chance to earn her independence, who should be standing in her way but the only man she's ever loved, the only person to ever betray her? Despite the scars Catherine left him, Captain Leighton Atwood has never been able to forget the mysterious girl who once so thoroughly captivated him. When she unexpectedly reappears in his life, he refuses to get close to her, but he cannot deny the yearning she reignites in his heart. Their reunion, however, plunges them into a web of espionage, treachery, and deadly foes. With everything at stake, Leighton and Catherine are forced to work together to find a way out. If they are ever to find safety and happiness, they must forgive and learn to trust each other again. Garbage summary. It's terrible. But to be fair to whoever wrote this, I honestly do not know how to describe this book. I I truly don't know how to describe this book. I think I did a better job in my random summary. So you know what? Let's do the random (laughs) summaries and then we'll get into it. So our random number this episode was 17. Take it away. Star-crossed lovers reunite in this genre-bending gem of a novel. My beautiful enemy equals the most beautiful angst. So you went with your review more than a summary. Because I told you, I don't know how you can write a summary for this book. I don't know how you can write a summary. There are star-crossed lovers who reunite. Okay. Mine is Spy goes to her father's homeland for a treasure map, encounters the lover she thought she killed. I mean, that's pretty good, too. And it's actually a summary of what happens. It is a summary of what happens. It doesn't... And I feel like the vibe is more accurate than the one that... The, the vibe is more accurate, yeah. I mean, this is... I, I, I still don't know how to describe this book. I, I mean, is this a historical romance? Is this no. a historical romance, Lane? No, that's my second comment. Yeah. You think it's a, a novel with some, a historical novel with a romance element? 
No, because I don't think it's quite historical fiction. I'd actually just put this in straight fiction. I love it. I don't think it's a genre novel at all. I, I Yes, but I don't know. I just don't know. I can understand how the publisher had a, t- a hard time classifying this novel. Can I tell you, and I, whatever, I'm skipping way ahead in my notes here, but they describe in detail this sword she has. Mm-hmm. And it's significant between the two of them. She gives him a piece of it. It's like this thing that's super identifying to her. If you pictured this book in hardback with that sword, with mm-hmm. a detached tassel mm-hmm. as the cover, you're telling me this wouldn't be in just the straight fiction section of a library. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that, no. <laughs> but like, I think, I think the cover does this book a disservice. And yeah. I say that as someone who loves romance novels. If I pick this up expecting a straight into romance novel, I'd be disappointed. Yeah. It, that's, and that's the thing, too, is that the, by the fact of classifying it as historical romance, I think they're missing out on readers who would really, really like this book. Yeah, to me, and I know we bring up these two as our gold standards a lot, this fits more with the writing style of Peters and Bujold mm-hmm. than Tessa Dare and Sarah McLean. Yeah. And there's nothing, there is nothing wrong with genre novels. Obviously, love we love that. all of those authors. Exactly. But this is, this book is just really different. And it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Like, it's truly a, a novel, like, on a different plane. I don't know <laughs> if I'd go that far. But okay. <laughs> well, let's, let's get, let's talk about it. There, we do have some romance tropes, sort of. Yes. So this is a second chance romance, sort of. Yeah. They they met once before when they were young, had a passionate affair, and then separated. Of course, she has thought that she killed him all those many years ago. <laughs> she thought she poisoned him to death. And so she's extremely she's extremely happy to know that she didn't kill him. But I think but she's I also, also like, this is redefining my life now. Yeah, and the other thing is I think second chance might not be the right thing because they come to the realization over the course of the novel that they had many points of opportunity where they just missed each other throughout their lives. So which takes us to another trope, which is just fate. Fate. Yeah, they're definitely fated. They are fated to be together. Um, He's engaged. To someone else. Dun-dun-dun. So he's got a... This is a historical romance. This is a historical romance trope because he's got to figure out how to extricate himself from this engagement by still being an honorable man. So that this is, I don't want to say that's not a real conflict. No, no, I'm not saying it's the conflict, but I'm saying that it's a historical romance trope. Right. But I I think in a traditional historical romance novel, Mm -hmm. you'd get a lot from his perspective about his desire to commit to this promise he made versus yeah. the temptation of this other woman like none of that occurs like you're That's right on its surface it is a trope but the way it plays out is not tropey at all no it's not it's not it's very different and then we kind of move away from romance tropes unless you can think of others oh, i have tons oh, well you do them then uh she on several occasions wears his clothes and he remarks on it <laughs> She's a cross-dresser who attempts to masquerade as a boy when they first meet. Yeah, and it works on everyone except for him. So you're right, that's a very romance novel trope. Yeah, those, 
I think those two are the two romance novel ones that I would add to your list. The yeah. rest of them that I have are ambiguously romancy. Okay. So we have a lot of heisty tropes where they're yes. always outwitting and outsmarting each other. So they, both of them are extremely manipulative, subtle people. They're and both spies. They're both spies. And so they're both trying to outsmart each other all the time. And of course, it ends by them outsmarting themselves, like outsmarting themselves out of a, a situation. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like they're, yeah. they're trying to be too subtle and too manipulative. And, and that's honestly up. what causes their conflict in the past. Yes. That they yeah. both think through the whole problem rather than talking to each other. And some of the assumptions they made were wrong. Yes. So they're, they're playing mental chess, but they're not they're not correctly predicting the other's moves. Um, okay. So before, before, uh, before we get into the non-romancy tropes, let's like mm-hmm. give a basic overview of this novel. Okay. You try. Cause I don't know how to give a basic overview. <laughs> okay. So she is the stepdaughter of a minor governor type figure in the Chinese system of the era yeah and her her mother was a courtesan um associated with this man right so he gets placed in chinese turkmenistan she goes with him she had been trained her entire life to be an assassin spy type figure of sorts and because of drama in the past this guy named lin tries to kill her and is after her Yeah, there's this guy named Lynn who's after her. It's her mortal enemy. So to protect her while also making her useful, her stepfather lets her go live in Chinese Turkmenistan as a boy, acting as the spy for his network of spies. She, like, is the one who follows up on the women who have been placed in important households. Um, And while on the run, she encounters Leighton, who's in Chinese Turkmenistan as an agent of the British. Yes. They encounter each other They several times, sometimes by happenstance, sometimes more intentionally, fall in love, never share each other's names. Yeah, they don't, they don't, the they don't even person. call each other anything. She doesn't say, nope. like, call me Joe. Nope, nope. She calls him the Persian. Yes. Because he, he masquerades as a Persian. Yeah, and he assumes that she's one of the... Turkmenistani tribe. She's from one of the Turkmenistani tribes. Yeah, so he has no idea who she is. So because of drama, misunderstanding, and pain, they misinterpret each other's mission, spy mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they part on bad terms. She gives him a solve to heal this wound he obtained while trying to save her that she does not give him the antidote for. So basically it is a solve that will heal his leg, but it will also poison him. And so she believes she sent him off to die. Even though she does try to find him to save him. Right. And then over the years, he does, spoiler alert, he doesn't die. He doesn't die. Yeah. But he he does have major leg issue. (laughs) Flash forward to the present. So all of that sort of told through flashbacks, flash forward to the present. Her stepfather has sent her to England to try to find these jade tablets that are supposedly a treasure map to a great treasure that will enable him to, like, restore his coffers and help with his, like, grand political important thing. Leighton, meanwhile, has effectively stopped spying 
has tried to settle down to a life in England and proposed to this girl that he thinks is like fun and buoyant. He doesn't think he'll ever love her, but at least she's somebody because he is, spoiler alert, a gentleman. Like within the aristocracy. And then, so they bump into each other in England and realize, one, her enemy is not dead. Mm-hmm. Two, that um, he's not dead. Leighton's not dead, yeah. Leighton's not dead. Um, and three, that, like, they had several opportunities in their past where they should have met. Yeah. Because they've kind of been on parallel tracks. Um, is that a decent, like, synopsis? I mean, yes, but I love how you said it's just going to be a brief summary. I think that was, like, five minutes. You can't, there's no brief way of describing this book. That's Fair. the issue. Yeah. Um, the thing that Lane didn't mention, she mentioned it in her um, short summary, but is is that Catherine's father was British. Yes, so, so she's, she's biracial. The result, yeah, she's biracial. She's the result of a liaison between a Chinese courtesan and a, a British gentleman who was stationed in China and Shanghai for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't seem to have affected her too much because her mother was able to form a relationship with a rich, highly placed man um, who has never adopted her, but who has nurtured her. And her mother died relatively young mm-hmm. and he continued to care for her. Yeah. So, so, she- so basically, yeah, th- this book is full of things that I say I don't like. Um, I am not a huge fan of novels that have a lot of flashback. And this book is, it's like uh, every other chapter is mm-hmm. a flashback up until probably the 50% point. Yeah. Maybe even further, but uh, every other chapter. So there's, her in the present, her and Leighton in the present interacting, and then both of them remembering what happened in the past. Uh, and then when it's finally... Say, yes. This, this is from the prologue, so it's not a spoiler in and of itself. The Part of the reason this guy, Lynn, is continuing to be her mortal enemy, even though she believes he's dead, is he killed her daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so this book opens, the opening to this book is basically like this martial arts fight on a boat in the middle of the ocean during a storm. If yeah, that not very romance novel No, if that gives you an idea of what this book is going to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so really this book, so Sherry Thomas talked about this in her author's note. I did not know about this genre of, of novels or movies until I read the author's note, although mm-hmm. I was familiar with the genre because I love it. And it's called a wuxia novel or the, mm-hmm. the, the wuxia genre. And basically that's, if you think of Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that's a wuxia. Okay. It's actually a movie based on a wuxia novel. So okay. it's often has to do with this fate and these people who are preternaturally gifted at martial arts. So Catherine is, she is, not only is she an assassin, she's like one of those assassins you see in a wuxia movie who can run on the walls, who can jump between roofs, who can, who has some kind of power over the chi in her body and can heal other people with it. She is so into how much better she is at spying than him. She's like so much better than him at everything. And he's like digging it. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, if you know me at all, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know I'm, like, all about that. So, as Meg said, there's a lot of flashbacks. There's full angst. Full angst. Because, as we've discussed, dead baby. Um, And 
as we kind of alluded to in the summary, the whole conflict is based on the fact that they don't talk to each other. Yeah. If you listen regularly, you know we hate all of that shit. And yet, this book. This book. This book has all of it in there, and I still loved it. I loved everything about this book. I I could barely put it down when I was reading it. It was, I kind of had the opposite reaction where I really wanted to savor it. Mm Mm-hmm. I read it a lot slower than I usually read. And I like would put it down and go do something and think about what I just read. It was really captivating. It's, it's extremely captivating. That's, that's exactly it. So speaking of full angst, like this, if you're going to go full angst and have a dead baby, this is how you do it. The, the well, first way of all, it happens. It's very like Kill Bill, right? Mm-hmm. Like, her motivation for continuing to carry this hatred in her heart for this dude has to be commensurate with the pain he calls her, caused her. Yes. yes. And there is nothing like dead baby. There's nothing like dead baby. No, no. But it's for me, again, it wasn't just the fact that she had suffered this trauma, but there are several points in this book where it comes into play uh, I, she thinks about telling Leighton about, because of, I'm sorry, is it a spoiler if I say that Leighton is the father of the baby? No. No, I mean, you you know it. They're fated to be together. So, of course, if she had a baby, it's Leighton's baby. So, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that he has this child who died. Um, and so, she thinks about telling him. She does eventually tell him. There, He finds out on his own, and the way he finds out is so amazing yes right it's so good it's so good and it's like perfect for their characters because they're again they're these extremely subtle spy people so he finds out through some weird spying and then it's he expects to get some other information and when he gets this information he's like oh shit the thing I loved is that there was no, this movie, th- this movie, this book did subtle really well. Yes. Like he didn't, the second he figures out that she had a daughter, he doesn't doubt for a second it was his. Right. Like there's none of that drama. There's a point in the book where she talks about once you're a master spy, you can fight steel with fabric. Then like that comes into play in the ending. Uh-huh. But Sherry Thomas does not spoon feed you any of that. Uh-uh. Like. No you realize it or you don't. It's so well-crafted. Yes. And the, the way it unfolds, again, like I said, I don't love flashbacks, but the way the flashbacks were done and the way they weaved with the current, the contemporary story was so well done. Well, and it was also, so the point was they were such different people. Yes. Like when they were together in Chinese Turkmenistan, he was a Persian gem dealer and she yes. was this absolutely wild, like Turkmeni boy. Yeah. And compare that to her like new staid Britishness and his like status as an English gentleman. Yeah. It's, it's so well done. It's, it's just really, really good. The way that things happen. So there, there are things that play out in the flashback and mm. then you find out something in the present and the way it happens together, she somehow makes this thing in the flashback make what happens in the present, this revelation. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really well done. It's just really well done. All of it's really well done. Did yeah. anything offend you? 
I mean, honestly, no, nothing offended me. There's some trigger warnings in this book. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about a dead baby. Um, and there is a moment where she reflects on how a lot of the turmoil in her life originated before she met Leighton because her stepfather's son attempted to sexually assault her. Yeah. And it's not described in any detail at all. No. Like the moment, it's just a reflection on a fact that something had happened between them. Um, so very, very mild trigger, trigger warning, but trigger warning nonetheless. Yes. Uh, and I, I think that, I think it's just so, it's actually really well done the way it plays out too. the way it's, it's this confessional moment. And I just, again, just really authentic, you know? Yeah. So is this book sexy? Okay. It's not erotica no. at all. Um, it is very full of sexual tension and longing and like desire in a way that is very palpable. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's not sexy because the dynamic between the two of them is tragic, but also very hot. Yes. That said, you don't really get any payoff in the way you expected a romance novel, but I think this book would have been worse if you had. Yeah, it didn't. Like the, I wasn't bothered in any way, shape, or form. Usually, I would have been like, "Oh, thanks a lot, fade to black." But here, I was like, "Oh, that was nice, fade to black." You know. But it's because like the tone of the book and the ratcheting up of the dramatic tension and the way you're trying to figure out how what happened in the past led to the present to suddenly stick a sex scene in the middle of that would not have served the book at all. Yeah, like exactly. these people's relationship was not built on physical intimacy and you didn't learn anything or you wouldn't have learned you anything have. from a sex scene. No, no, I agree. This this book is not a romance novel in the sense where the sex, it leads to some kind of deepening of the relationship or understanding of the characters or moving the plot along. And so it, it would have felt I can't think of a way she could have done a Tessa Dare-esque sex scene that wouldn't have felt shoehorned in. Yes. No, Which for sure. Which then would have cheapened it if Sherry Thomas was even, even capable of writing great erotica, which I, I haven't read no erotica from her. But she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I've seen no evidence she has an interest in it. But so yes. I really, I would love to see this book re-released and remarketed as just traditional fiction. Yeah. Uh, like a nice hardcover. You're right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, I will say that I loved that they were both virgins. Like, please give me more virginal heroes. They are my favorites. I love them. We got one coming up in the next couple of weeks. Who I love, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I'm just saying, and but but also the fact that the reason that he's a virgin here is just really good. I thought. Yes. They're also both young in the flashbacks which makes so again it makes so much sense it makes so much sense i mean this book in this book what are they they're they're not even they're not like even mid-30s in this book right they're like early 30s i would say maybe even late 20s even late 20s they met when they were like 18 years old well right and so she said their daughter would have been seven had she survived Mm -hmm. and they knew each other for a year before you thought he died. I mean, I'd put them both late 20s and say these books, these events of this book, maybe she's 17 and he's 19. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really like good. young. Yeah. 
Which, so I'm, you know, if you're a 19 to 22 year old sent to Chinese Turkmenistan to spy for the British, like, it's not the most unbelievable thought in the world that you were like, I'm not going to go hang out in like an Indian brothel. Yeah. Um, speaking of that backstory, Lane, did you know that uh, Lieutenant Athwood in The Art of Theft was Captain Atwood from this book? I didn't. And I'm going to have to reread The Art of Theft now. What a hardship. <sighs> if you reread it. Um, you may notice that, uh, Charlotte is like, oh, I see you're reading about your, your boning up on Chinese Turkmenistan. <sighs> so basically the art of theft is set immediately prior to Leighton going and meeting Catherine. Be still my heart. I know. I know. I know. So good. So anyway, the reason I suggested reading this book is because I went to an author talk with, with Sherry Thomas and she let slip that Lieutenant Atwood in The Art of Theft was the main character of this book. And I thought, hmm, I should check that book out. And I read it and I was blown away. It's so, I mean, I highly recommend this book. Highly recommend it. This book is, is truly, uh, I, you know, I don't want to talk it up too much. But I really, really thought it was really cool. That it was really inch, like well crafted, well yes. written, and it's unique. It's different from anything you're ever gonna read. And like there were moments where I wanted to shake them and say, just talk to each other. The angst is getting to me. Oh, but for inevitably, sure. the second I hit that frustration point, the next scene was like a peony heist. Like it didn't like dwell on the dynamic between the two even though that was clearly a major force in the novel and I think it prevented a lot of the stuff I would usually find annoying from getting under my skin yeah yes it did it was it was really good so basically so, this book is amazing you should read it everything I have read by Sherry Thomas has been really good but this is somehow beyond them all just in a different way yeah I mean I think it's I can't even compare these to the Charlotte Holmes books. No. Except except to say that if you like one, you'll like the other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agreed. So get the to a bookstore or since you're probably isolating yourself socially, get the to Kindle and get this book because it is amazing. You should read it Super. right now. Recommended. Yes. So if you are enjoying the podcast, please rate and review and subscribe. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time.